0: put your name on the wait list and you will be the first to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out with a lot of exciting changes and with pretty much the best deal under the sun all right let's get into today's podcast episode in this episode we are talking all about how to hack your own PR uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've got big business dreams, but you're feeling stuck when it comes to all things social media, digital, and content marketing. This is the podcast for you. And if you like free stuff, well, I've got you sorted there as well. Head over to stevie says social.com slash little black book now to steal my little black book of social media secrets. You're listening to the Stevie Says Social podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 62 of the Stevie Says Social podcast. Today, I am speaking to Odette Barry all about how to hack your own PR. Now, I'm going to jump straight into this episode because we cover a lot. And for any small business that wants more attention, that wants to improve their reputation, that wants more brand awareness, that wants to kind of get some thought leadership out there, whatever it is... PR is definitely something that you should be looking at, and it's something that I'm looking at in my business at the moment. Now, if this episode resonates with you, I highly recommend that you head over to com forward slash 62, because I have an epic freebie over there waiting for you. It has a pitch template that Odette has very kindly put together to help with basically pitching your business to the media and some key questions that you should be asking when kind of putting together the perfect pitch. If you want to get your hands on those, head to social.com forward slash 62 Now I'm going to get straight into today's episode because we cover a lot. So without any further ado, I bring you my episode with Odette. Today is a good episode because I am interviewing a little bit of a legend and we're not talking specifically about social media, but something that we are talking about is another traffic source. So a way of getting your business in front of new eyeballs that I have been looking into more and more recently, and I've seen the benefits of it. I've also been on the other side of it, and I've really seen it executed poorly. So what I'm talking about is PR. And the girl that I've got talking to me today, all about PR, is Odette. Now, Odette is the founder and director of Odette & Co., which is a digitally focused, PR agency based in Byron Bay, beautiful Byron Bay, just down the road from me. Now she's been on both sides of the PR fence. She's been both a digital manager for women's fitness, and she's also been a PR maven. So she knows a little bit about this stuff. And I think for small businesses, if you're looking to get your business in front of new eyeballs and you want to look at things other than social media as a way of doing it, you're going to love this episode. So welcome, Odette, to the podcast. Oh, hey, Stevie. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having me on today. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, for everyone that's listening, Odette and I have done a little bit of a consult session around some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And honestly, the penny dropped. I had a few different moments where I was like, oh, my God, I need to get on the PR bandwagon yesterday. So, yes, very excited to share that gold with everyone.
1: Wow. Well, I think, Stevie, you're like the absolute ideal candidate for PR. You're someone who totally knows your area and industry. Um, and that's what makes PR gold, someone that actually knows what they're talking about because there's too many people out there that don't. <laughs> oh, thank um, you, love. So pitching yourself to um, media outlets makes
0: for a dream come true I think for any media outlet that gets you on the other end of a pitch. No, oh, thanks love <laughs> and I was talking <laughs> as well about some of the really horrific pitches that I've got with my little old podcast and I've spoken to you about it before but holy holy like there are some really bad pitches out there and they just I feel like they end up kind of ruining the reputation of the small business that's pitching, but also they don't get anywhere. So yeah, keen to tackle that as well. The irony of the fact that the PR industry
1: needs a whole bunch of work done on its reputation is not lost on me. (laughs) The (laughs) fact that we're in the business of improving reputations and um, our reputation is awful. Um, But I recently had a chat with, someone who works in the media and she said to me where the hell are all the PRs that operate like you do um and I think that's a conversation that we get to have time and time again because there's an opportunity to slow down and and be a bit more thoughtful in your approach and it's
0: something that small business owners have the joy of being able to do themselves yes and So I guess that comes back to the fact that, because I remember studying PR when I was at uni, right? And I remember like going through what a perfect media release was all about and how to (laughs) craft it and send it out to news outlets. And I definitely like, I still see people do that, but that's not what it's about anymore, is it?
1: Yeah, look, it's a funny one. There's always, I feel like in media, in media and PR, there's all these headlines that, the media's dead, the media release is dead, the PR's dead, everything's dead in PR. <laughs> and yet um, it's not. And interestingly, I think there is still a role for a media release. And it, you know, it's just that it's not the only element in your PR outreach. I think what we need to, you know, move away from is spraying out a generic media release to every single outlet under the sun. And actually, come back to slowing down and thinking about what is my purpose here, and and who do I want to talk to? Because it's not everyone, and that means that we can slow down and do something really thoughtful. Target a smaller, um, you know, group of outlets that are going to be really meaningful to us. And yes, the media release still does have a role because it's it's the place that houses all of those essential pieces of information about what you're. Um, pitching. But I think the thing that's missing from the old world of um, blasting out media releases is really thoughtful, carefully curated pitches that come off the back of romance and a bit of relationship building, Um, you know, rather than just... (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's not a, we- a wedding
0: of, after the first date right <laughs> yes exactly and that's kind of more I guess my point like PR these days isn't like this cookie cutter factory of writing this really generic release and then just spraying it out to a million people and one of the big things that I got from the chat that we had when we were going through our mentoring session it was exactly that it's very much now about relationships right so it's being really specific about kind of um knowing who your people are, knowing what outlets they're actually using and even if it's three or two or one, really kind of crafting something that's specific to uh, that particular outlet because there's much more of a chance that they're going to say yes than if you send out a generic release to 100 people. You're planning to be in your
1: business and create this sustainable business over the long term, then the relationships that you form with your media contacts hopefully can serve you time and time again into the future so there's no need to rush in and ask for you know everything the first time you speak to them you know yeah. and just by example even our relationship you know we um, met together at that uh, what was it? It was the League of Extraordinary Women event.
0: Yes, when was um, that? I
1: think <laughs> two years ago? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I remember, early in my business life. <laughs> I remember you hadn't launched your podcast yet and Katie and I were there and you said, oh yeah, I'm thinking about launching your podcast. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> two years on. <laughs> I don't have a podcast and you
0: are on episode 62. You're, episode it. 62. you're amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you have to do three episodes a week and you'll catch up really quickly, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got so much time, you know me. <laughs> but the thing is, you know,
1: we've we've been we've known each other for two years and we're recording this podcast now. And you know, it, it was a really um, beautiful opportunity to share something that I love with you and it came off such a long, um, beautiful friendship that I feel like we've developed over the interwebs <laughs> yeah. events over time and that's, that's what I would say to other people that, you know, find people that you can connect to and, you know, create mutually beneficial relationships because it should be about a value exchange with media outlets, Right you're giving them something that they need and want um, that's going to serve their audiences and in exchange they're giving you eyeballs or earbuds (laughs) of their listeners um, that, you know, are going to serve your business into the long term as well. Yes.
0: I love that. And I think it's a really important point. So going back to, and I'll get into all of the questions. I've got a list of questions that I want to go through with the sort of the formal part of this podcast. But before that, I think it's like a really good point because the really crappy pictures that I get for the, my little podcast and my podcast isn't like a big media outlet. It's nothing along those lines. Right. But it's a one-sided thing. So I get these pictures where it's like people are contacting me and they'll use a really generic template and they'll say something like, you know, um, I would love to be on the Stevie Says social.com podcast and I would love to discuss X, Y, Z and I think that I would add a lot of value to your audience. And it's so one-sided, right? Like, number one, I've never heard of you before. We haven't developed a relationship. Number two, without sounding like completely unfair, what's in it for me like there's nothing kind of in terms of what value it's providing me and number three it's just so generic you know it's really really Uh something that is on my mind at the moment and I just think that there's such a better way of doing things.
1: Absolutely I think the first thing you know when you get to the ask phase in your relationship. I think the first thing I like to suggest to small business owners is to come in with some observations of the fact that you know why this person's interesting, not that you just generically love them because that's a broad sweeping statement that I would tell my son or my husband or my dog, <laughs> but, you know, come in there and tell them exactly why they're meaningful. I was just working with a client earlier today and she um She's had two mentoring sessions and she read out her pitch email, not her pitch email, her first engagement email to this journalist and I honestly nearly wept with joy with how intimate and thoughtful it was. She, you know, had made references to three or four different articles this woman had written previously and pulled out insights that had really resonated with her Um, and then how that related to the audience that she wanted to speak to and suggested that she'd love to talk to her more. That was it. And I was like, oh, my God. It was beautiful. Like that's Mm. that's what it's about. It's about, Mm. you know, showing your appreciation to someone and why there's, you know, a value exchange that's going to be meaningful. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's talk about... First formal question of the podcast, (laughs) (laughs) Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) but the media landscape. So what I really loved when we were going through our mentoring session was when you were talking to me about what is going on in the media landscape at the moment. And obviously that has a big impact on the way that you pitch and the penny dropped for me when you kind of mentioned this. So I'd love you to run through basically what we ran through around that.
1: Yeah, certainly. Look, I think there's been, you know, major changes in the media landscape over, you know, the last five and ten years and, and probably before that. And one of the major drivers for that, unfortunately, is something we're contributing to, and that's social media. Mm. So, social media advertising budgets have taken a lot of the advertising budgets that were previously existed in print and, and even in digital They've gone over businesses are paying to reach their audiences through Facebook ads or Google ads and that money coming out of the the media outlets has meant that there's fallout and that is that journalists don't have jobs anymore. And it's such a sad um, situation for the media landscape. There's some, um, you know, media outlets that are really innovating and finding ways to create gated content that's of higher value or subscription models, but the reality is that so many media outlets are, are constricting the whole, I think it was it's reduced by 4.7% over the last mm. five years. Um, and, you know, Sydney Morning Herald has fired a quarter of its newsroom and mm. Fairfax let go of, you know, a bunch of my local mastheads, um, ABC, you know, losing jobs, Pacific getting rid of sub editors. It's like it's across the board. But then at the same time, there's this emergence of these amazing little niche outlets and the cool opportunity there is that instead of blasting out to massive um, outlets that you know maybe a small percentage of the audience really mattered to you, you can find these cool little niche outlets like podcasts and blogs and other digital platforms that have of the audience that totally matter to you so it's been a massive massive shift in terms of the landscape but at the same time because of the limited jobs it means that there's less people in the landscape and so they're getting absolutely slammed by media releases from everyone because there's only one or two people um on the news desk and they're getting all the invites all the pictures all the emails all the media releases they're all going there and they have crazy mental deadlines that means that they're trying to churn through article after article producing programs um on less and less staff which Mm -hmm. You know, even my um, time with women's fitness, like we were just getting slaughtered with pictures and, you know, it only took one time for someone to tarnish their name, you know, by sending something that was of a generic nature or was totally irrelevant to our audience. And then if that name appeared in your inbox, it would You just wouldn't even open the email. So it's so
0: interesting. So as like, as the person that was managing the pitches, I think that's a really good example, whether it's women's health or whoever it is, what would be the things that a small business or somebody that's preparing the pitch should do to get the journalist's attention in a positive way?
1: Yeah, well, flattery. Definitely a good place to start.
0: <laughs> <laughs> flattery gets you everywhere.
1: <laughs> it does, but actually, I think we chatted about this. But one of my girlfriends um, works for Women's Health and across a few other publications like Sydney Morning Herald, and she she was like, "Send flowers." I loved that so much.
0: And I know <laughs> That's that bribery. That's
1: not flattery, <laughs> but it, it talks to the romance of it. You know, yeah. like there is, um, you know something that can be a circuit breaker so you know someone a pitch that has been really well researched and um is, is going to make the journalist's life really easy so the subject line is super catchy and it tells you exactly what's in the box but maybe leaves a little bit um to your curiosity so that we can um provide a bit of Scarcity. Yes.
0: Well, that's <laughs> or just to FOMO. get people to open the email, isn't it? Because otherwise, yeah. you know, if there's 50 emails, they're going to open one that's eye catching as opposed to one that's not. Totally. Well, when I talked to Josie Tuddy
1: at um, Mumbrella and I asked her what the question what would get her to stop and open an, a, an email, she said, number one, know what the deadline is of the outlet because mm-hmm. if she's on deadline, She's not going to be in her inbox at all. And she said if she stepped away from her inbox for 30 minutes, she'd be on page two of her inbox, which just gives me hives thinking about dealing with that many emails. So the thing that's going to save you is making sure you send the email at the time that they're going to be in the inbox. So understanding what that deadline is means that when they look in their inbox, your email is going to come in during that time and they're going to be more receptive to reading it and opening it anyway.
0: So is there like a Um, a good time that, um, I don't know, like in terms of like a publishing for, you know, magazine publishers, for example, the best time to get them or newspaper publishers or is it different for every publication? It's
1: totally different for every publication um, and every medium type but um, a good little tip for um, digital publications that send out, um, that do daily news, is that they would typically send an email blast after they've published all their articles for the day. So signing up to an email newsletter that they have will tell you when you get that email blast that they've just (laughs) published all their stories then and they're then going to be off the tools and available to be in the inbox to read that. So that's a really handy thing. It's a great Um, Print newspapers, you know, their deadlines in the afternoon, evening um, and... You know, print is always, print magazines are always going to be a couple of months in advance, so (laughs) they all will have a different um, time of month. But a good tip to figure out what the deadline is, contact them and ask them as part of your romance. Groundbreaking, um, right? (laughs) I know. It's all these little things that are just really little, simple things that actually anyone could do. Mm. It's not you know the, the the thing about pr is that it's you know people pay pr agencies because they have done this already and built these relationships so that they can pick up the phone and introduce a new client and there'll be a receptive audience when you're doing it on your own it's not like it's rocket science and you know you're having to work out algorithms for facebook advertising or whatever it is all you have to do is be a good human, be super nice and um, spend a bit of time getting to know someone um, and their craft and they'll be open and receptive to you.
0: So what if they're not? So say, for example, you send a kid. (laughs) It's got an, a you know an amazing subject line because I've done this before, so I'm asking you selfishly. <laughs> I didn't send flowers, so maybe that was my mistake. But um, I had the pitch in there. Um, not sure if I sent it at the right time, but I thought it was a pretty good pitch, right? And it, I nailed it. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna say, you know, I thought it, it was an amazing. It means, yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> But I heard nothing back. And I guess that's kind of when you kind of get to the point where you're like, do I follow up? Am I being annoying? Do I call this person? Do I just let it go because it's not something that they're interested in? What do you do after you send that initial pitch, in your opinion? Okay,
1: Okay, cool. I love this question because it's so common. Um, And you can understand why when these people are like battling their inbox on the Mm. daily. Mm. But um, there's a couple of things. One is when you are pitching yourself in media, pop on your bulletproof vest so that you are emotionally resilient to rejection. That's the first thing I would say because um, it's important to understand that sometimes you're not the right fit um, and sometimes you will get rejections and that can be really tough when you're pitching your pride and joy. So stick on your bulletproof vest and then this is the process that I like to follow. So you send your pitch email hopefully at the absolute perfect time of day for that particular individual, not just that outlet, the individual within the outlet. Um, And then you get crickets. Okay, fine. What we're going to assume is that they would have loved your email if they had time to read it, but so busy, absolutely slammed. So we're going to assume that they didn't read it. So then I would send a follow-up and what I would also assume um, or I would just recommend putting a couple of different alternative angles in your follow-up email just in case they hated the original pitch. Um, You're going in with some alternative um, angles that you could talk about So we're giving them the
0: benefit of the doubt. When do you send the second email?
1: One week later, I would say.
0: One one week
1: or more. I wouldn't do it before then. Okay. Um, So you send your follow-up email and then they come back and they're like, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I missed your first email. And then you've nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Or... you still get crickets and you've got your bulletproof vest on so you're cool um so then I would wait one or two days again from that second email and then pick up the phone and try and give them a buzz um you know every person journalist and beyond has a different preference for talking on the phone Mm. um not everyone loves it and a lot of journalists absolutely hate phone calls. Do you think but it's a
0: generational other, thing? Like do you think that, I don't know, I feel like my generation is like phobic to the phone, does not pick it up. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, talk, I talked to Josie Tutty about this at Mumbrella and she was like, I definitely think it's a generational thing. Mm. Um, she thinks that the younger journos are terrified of talking on their phones. Like I've even got staff members that, are, that work in PR that won't do their pitching with me in earshot. Yeah. And I just think that's hilarious. It's like I can help you if you let me hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but then the older journos often love a chat because that's where they can unpick and find the, the story or the angle. And often when you get them on the phone, it's the most fabulous time to fast track your relationship building because mm. you can ask them about their work or give them that feedback about the article or ask them what they're doing on the weekend. Like it's that beautiful time to really extend beyond that immediate value exchange and start building rapport.
0: So uh, taking yeah. a step backwards, where do people find, because you said that you need to have the right publication and then the right person, right? yeah so where do people find the right person? Because mm. I think this is the big benefit generally of working with a PR agency is they 've got these like pre existing relationships and you know like say for example i decided that I wanted to um, send a pitch to XYZ Magazine because I think that it's a perfect, ideal client. How do I find the right journalist to send it to? And then how do I find their email details and their phone details to follow up, you know?
1: Yeah, this is when, like, it sort of, um, it bleeds into slightly creepy and, um, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Sleeping territory, yeah. Look, if you don't have a media database, which quite likely no one has access to that outside of the PR landscape, um, but I would start my investigations at, I think I said a news agent. I think it's a great place to start and picking up magazines and mm. flicking through. Open the masthead and you'll find all the contributors um, to that publication in there. And then pick up those names and start keyword searching them online. Um, and this will be, you know, a lot of sleuthing. And sometimes the email addresses are really well hidden, in which case then I would be starting that romance of commenting on all of their articles on the outlets so that in the comments section, so that your name is beginning to be visible to them because they will read the articles that they publish and the comments that appear on there. Um, And then it might be that you then take your stalking to the next level and you go and connect with them on LinkedIn. And, you know, when you send a a connection request on LinkedIn, you have an opportunity to send a little message in there. For like, the love of God, do not leave that empty. That Mm. is your opportunity to tailor what it is you wanted to say. So that's where you can comment and flatter on the recent article or coverage that they have published and written Um, and then, you know, I I think there's a limited um, word count on there, so be brief and get to the point Um, and send that connection request there. Often then once that connection request is live, you've got a two-way conversation happening. Twitter is amazing.
0: Mm. i think There's it's one so of the last and only i'm talking for australians i think it's a little bit different for americans and things but really twitter's only used by media publications <laughs> i swear
1: yeah <laughs> These days. i think it's ma- massive for news and academics yeah it's science world right Twitter. yeah um but, yeah, uh, it, most journalists I know are on there. Um, yep. It's a great way to tailor your news funnel. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a it's a goodie. But, yeah, I, I think keyword searching the person's name once yep. you know who has written, you know, the article and also keyword searching their email address. Sometimes cool. you don't. A, a, lot of, a lot of because the um, media landscape is so fragmented, a lot of journalists write across several publications and so they're freelancers
0: mm. and they then
1: have websites that have portfolios on them um, and they have contact vehicles through there, whether it's a contact form or they'll have their email address
0: listed. That's cool. I guess that brings me to my next question a little bit in terms of what it is that you actually, so we've got the, email we've got the potentially we've found the journalist details we've got to get them interested like the next kind of logical thing for me what I'm thinking out loud is like what are the different options then for how you pitch them? Like, what are the different types of PR that you can get? So what I was thinking was like, for me as a social media person, right? If I contacted somebody on LinkedIn and they were, for example, a uh, commentator in the social media space, they would want someone that could comment regularly on topical social media things. Right. And that would be one sort of approach in terms of pitching. What are the other kind of different types of pitching that you would recommend that a small business potentially look into?
1: Yeah, sure. So, there's a couple of different things and and understanding your outlet and what they accept is really helpful because Mm. there's a lot of ego in the media landscape. And I think, you know, we see a lot of that because it's quite a hierarchical structure um, in terms of, you know, layers within um, organizations but I think also because so many reputations are made and broken through Mm. the media landscape there's a lot of ego that comes from that so um, you can it that leads to the fact that you can suggest that you can contribute content and in the media landscape that's called opinion editorial or op-ed And that means that you are supplying written content that's published in that masthead but as written by you. Um, And then the other side of that is suggesting that you're available for interview. So in which case you would, um, you know, say that you're keen to chat about a certain topic and then you'll have a, you know, pre-record it might be for radio or TV or whatever it is or it might be that they take that information away and write up an article that you'll feature in then for product-based businesses there's more about submitting you know imagery of the product to be featured in you know product features mm. for want of a better word but you know showing highlights of the different um seasonal trends or you know what's new what's hot um and gift guides is a massive opportunity there as well So. But every um, major event—Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, Easter—most publications will release a gift guide. In which case, pitching in to with your product, high res, deep etched, so with the white background, mm-hmm. um, and a combination of in situ, so and on the white background is really helpful. With some great descriptions of your product, so. They're kind of the key areas that I would say make sense for small business owners. You could, of course, invite your journalist to an amazing event that you're holding, but given the nature of the media landscape and how limited people's time is, I would suggest that, you know, creating an event for the purpose of inviting media along, it's less and less a valuable approach in PR, I'd say.
0: Yeah, and I think probably outside of you know the major capital cities, a lot of the time people aren't actually located where the journalists are, so you know it's potentially not something that makes sense. Yeah,
1: the other side of that though is that for small businesses or local businesses, their local media outlets are going to be hugely valuable, in which case, inviting a journalist along to come and experience your day spa or your kindy gym or whatever it is uh, really makes sense because you have an opportunity to showcase the experience.
0: That's an awesome point. So, it's almost like, so there's three tiers really, isn't there? There's like the major big publications that have this like mass media coverage. Then there's like the kind of local publications where it's obviously a local audience and for a local business, that's amazing. And what then almost... Be better? Yeah, 100%. And then a tier under that is, you know, things like podcasts and bloggers and the people that are in really kind of niche industries that even though they don't have their... These massive, big kind of audiences, potentially that aren't even the target audience of your business, they have a much more aligned target audience. And so they're a really good opportunity and option as well.
1: Totally. I mean, we're seeing such an emergence of the importance of pitching to people that have really thriving Facebook communities, Mm. you know, to do Facebook live events that are going to be perfect in their. Um, you know, alignment of values. So it really is a changing landscape, but for the better, I think, rather mm. than talking to the masses. But it's interesting. I say that. <laughs> and, you know, th- those big mastheads still have an amazing value at shifting reputation. And, yes. the you know, the, those little audiences are, will often be the ones that drive action because they're the people that are going to, you know, put their hand in their pocket and buy the thing because it makes sense. Um, The big mastheads and, you know, television opportunities are the ones that shift brand perception and and the way people
0: think and feel about you. So, So true. So it really comes down to, and this is the same as like when I'm putting together a social media strategy, you've got to set your goals. So what is it that you actually want to achieve? Like, is it social proof? Is it you want to build your authority? Is it brand awareness? In which case, you know, maybe it's a big major publication, but is it actually driving solid leads and sales? In which case it's probably a niche podcast, for example. Totally.
1: And even little things like understanding, um, you know, whether you want to really drive action or whether you want to change the way people feel about your product or brand it may have emerged in one sector and you're bleeding into a new sector in which case your whole campaign might be about just changing or educating a customer about what it is yeah so i love i love the the nuances of pr nothing gets me more excited than seeing coverage um and just seeing the transformation in brands Mm. on the weekend i actually was chatting with a um a girl in one of our workshops and she had just been, oh, crowdfunded herself to get to New York Fashion Week. She had appeared, um, her her clothing was worn by a model at the Met Gala or, no, wasn't that the Met Gala, sorry. It was at um, the Met Ballet. Is that the thing? I think oh, we, it's it's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> <laughs> worn by a model to the ballet and so it was, the photos were taken it was published in Vogue and she had um you know she was like oh the stylist put the dress on backwards and I was like yeah but did it appear on there what were you trying to get out of it like what did you expect to happen and she's like oh well I just wanted you know eventually for this to be perceived as this you know really high-end couture brand and I was like well, whether the dress is on backwards or not is not really going to matter. What matters is the fact that you're associated with a masked head like Vogue, mm. you know. So that's not something you can measure right no. now. Yeah. Um, that's something that's going to build over time. And often, you know, you'll speak to people and they'll be like, I just don't understand the value of PR. I don't know. You know, I didn't see leads immediately. And you're like, well, how do you measure a change in perception unless you met do a survey before you begin of everyone impossible Mm. and then do the same later it is going to be tough to measure but it'll be in those conversations you have when people say oh I saw you in this or saw
0: you on that you're doing amazing things it's so true I couldn't agree more and I've actually got a really good example like I was on my business coach's podcast last week and I got really immediate leads and sales from being on his podcast then and nobody knew about it so you know like it's not something that my family knew I did or whatever then I was your ideal customer yeah. I love that your family is where you well, no, the reason why I say it is that <laughs> then I was on so the um channel seven um social media segment that I did last week, which was obviously like a national thing and zero like direct leads or sales from it. But the perception that mm-hmm. it gave to the reason why I say my family is that they were like my god you were on TV and I'm like I've done like it's just the weirdest <laughs> the weird things that they bring up anyway. <laughs> but, but that's
1: I'm, the thing it's it it really is that transformational shift that people just have we have so much trust mm-hmm. in traditional media. Like yeah. it's unbelievable. When Facebook Uh, was dealing with the Cambridge Analytica and the mass departure of users from Spacey, where did they go to communicate to the people that left? To billboards and traditional media. Mm. Like it was hilarious to see that the guys that robbed all of the money from traditional
0: media had to invest back in it to communicate
1: with the people. Oh, I
0: love that analogy. That's so true. I actually noticed (laughs) that and I thought it was so interesting because it really is that kind of changing the perception of the masses. Yeah. Yeah, it was a vote of confidence for traditional media. I really liked it. (laughs) Yeah, super interesting. Um, Okay, so we have covered a lot and what I'm guessing is that for a lot of the people listening, they're like, cool, PR sounds amazing, but where the bloody hell do I start? Mm. If you were a small business that was thinking, okay, cool, potentially this is a traffic source for me. I've just been posting over and over on social media. I, you know, am going to continue with that because it's important people but <laughs> i want to try something I'm else. out yeah <laughs> out cancel <Yeah>. the call <laughs> um where do people start like so where do I actually go okay cool i actually want to kind of i want to hack my own pr i want to give this a go and i don't want it to be a full time job i don't want to hire someone <laughs> What do you recommend that people do? Is there kind of a step-by-step in terms of where do they start and what are maybe three steps that they should take in order to try and secure one piece of really valuable coverage aligned to whatever their goals are? Okay. So three steps is going to be tough. All right. Um. You can
1: have a (laughs) Okay. So the first thing would be know what outlets matter to them. So. Um, the way to check that is, one, go out to your customers and ask them what they read, mm. what they listen to. Ask people. We're, Crazy, right? Yes. <laughs> We've gone back to that with like super, super boring advice that is actually pick up the phone. Um, if you have a repeat customer or someone that you um, you know is really aligned to your brand, Pick up the phone and, and speak to them and ask them what they consume. The, the next layer I would say is go to the news agent. <laughs> I know it's weird. Pick up some magazines um, and have a look what they're talking about. Um, if you're not near a news agent, you can go on to magshop.com.au. Mm-hmm. They um, sell subscriptions to magazines. They also have all of their magazines online uh, split out by interest area so it's quite valuable for you to be able to find that keyword search your topic your product or your service um, and jump onto google and hit the news search function because then you'll be able to see what digital publications are publishing news associated with your business um, and then the next layer is to go deeper and find out who the individuals are Mm -hmm. at each of those places that are having those conversations. So you know who they are, you know what they're writing about. um, And then the next thing is starting that romance. So um, starting to do the engagement. Um, Once you've you feel confident that you've established a little bit of a relationship and there's a clear alignment on value exchange, it's about really nailing your pitch. Um, and that pitch has a couple of really um, important elements to it. I would say a it's got that fabulous subject line that's going to <laughs> catch the attention of the journalist but the fir- the other thing is really making it clear I think of uh, really thinking about the storytelling side of of mm. media the fact that it's not an advertorial it's not an ad and it's not a marketing vehicle this is um you're giving information to an outlet for them to include in their framework of communication which means you need to think about what's really going to connect in there and often the thing that we humans crave and seek in media is connection and emotion and you know, things that are curious and unusual or interesting. So finding a way to weave your story into those elements is just going to be, you know, it will just push you so much further up.
0: the yeah, inbox or no, and be,
1: um, But often I find um, a really good way to create a connection into your business is to talk about your why. Um, often that why has a really strong connection that other people are going to be interested in in those outlets so thinking about the moment that your life was changed and why you came up with your business or perhaps it was you know it's how you how you tell your story to your friends or pals um, as opposed to how you would pitch it to an investor you know thinking about that as being a delineation yeah um
0: that's so interesting because that's the sort of content that works on social as well that really kind of like the why like you know the story behind the story why do you do what you do why are you so passionate about it what's your mission what's you know yeah it's interesting because it's all aligned (laughs) at the risk of you know
1: repeating a phrase that goes around the interweb's Uh, non-stop. It's that Simon Sinek's, um, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Yes. You know, it really comes down to the crux of it. So being able to speak to that in your pitch, I think is pretty key. That doesn't need to be telling the whole story. (laughs) It's just, you know, linking in a sentence or two that really, um, inspires a bit of emotion. Um, so, including in, in that pitch, I would also be really thinking about who my pitch is going to and what that outlet's tone of voice is so that you can structure what you send in a way that's going to be meaningful and, and, and look like it fits in that outlet. Um, and what else are we putting in our pitch a bit of a why your business relates to that outlet. You've got your flattery in there. (laughs) Um, It's just going to be a couple of paragraphs. It's not something, it's not an essay. You want to make this easy for the reader. But then, you know, you have to think about what the angles are that relate to your outlet. So you're looking at, you know, I guess we want to create a bit of FOMO, right? (laughs) There's, um, you know, if we can make the pitch that you're sending time sensitive Mm. then it's going to inspire action so if you can link to a current headline or something that's trending or a major event like I think when we chatted about this like Marie Kondo or (laughs) the royal baby or if it's around grand final you know those kinds of things whatever you can tie it in it means that if they don't cover it now it's forever lost well, until next year or when the next
0: baby arrives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's kind of that urgency, like you've got to kind of get in now, but then also the scarcity, like we're offering this to you, like this is, you know, something that you can take up and it's that FOMO if they don't. I like that. Totally. Yeah. And I think also um, showing the
1: gravity of what it is that you're talking about. So if mm. you can um, contextualise your pitch, your product, your service to a bigger conversation, then it just shows that it's relevant to that outlet. They're already talking about it. Here's a different lens on it. Here's my argument or here's my um, take on it. I think, you know, it makes it a lot easier to get a story across the line. But I think we, we often plan um, a PR campaign as well around an events calendar that exactly the same kind of calendar that your um, membership crew would understand with planning social media content. That being aware of health awareness days or major sporting events that affect your customer, you know, it makes it a lot more relevant. Mm. And I think also the other thing with including in your pitch is just making sure that you have a couple of different angles in there so that it's, if one didn't work, or wasn't as amazing as you thought it
0: was (laughs) Mm. having a couple of bullet point alternatives in there that's cool and I think like you can do that really quickly like you don't need to write two separate lots of essays for two different angles it can just be you know like a couple of sentences and then an alternative you know so that it's brief it's to the point but it's still giving them a couple of options
1: Yeah, totally. I think like two or three paragraphs is plenty. But what I would like to start with is doing that one page story on yourself, like a really long bio that just goes end to end. And then you can just pinch one paragraph or two paragraphs that's relevant to the angle that you're pitching. So it might be that for this particular story, you're pitching to a legal audience, in which case you're going to ham up your legal experience and your time working in that so that you have a relevant link and then for another outlet you're you're pitching on social media so then you talk more about your experience working in social media and less about your time in legal yes. but I find doing doing that um that extended bio in the first place
0: makes mm-hmm. it it's a lot easier later
1: Certainly, and especially when you see a headline, you know, you're just on the train on the way to work and you see a headline and you're like, oh, that is so relevant to me. Maybe a massive change came out about the algorithm. You already have this bio
0: sorted, and all you need to do is add
1: one paragraph. Love that. That is
0: awesome. Thank you so much, Odette. I feel like all of this information is going to be so useful for people that are thinking about, number one, I think it's inspired people to give it a go. And then I think the people that are actually, okay, cool, I'm ready and raring to go and I'm actually going to do this. I think it's going to be really helpful in terms of giving them a practical roadmap. So thank you so much. My pleasure.
1: It's such so much fun talking about what I love. And I think there's no one better and small business owners to pitch their story. So
0: good yes. luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, we have got a present for you guys. If you head to stevie says social.com forward slash 62. Odette has put together two amazing little pieces of golden nuggets when it comes to PR. Number one is a bit of a pitch template. So, if you're kind of like, great, I need to write a pitch. Where do I start? There is a little bit of a template in there and also a list of questions around actually finding out what your why is. So, I know that when people kind of, especially in relation to social media, talk about, okay, you need to know, you know your business mission and your why and you have no idea where to start a few little questions around that so head to stevie says social.com forward slash 62 to grab those but if people want to find out more about you where would they go
1: oh yes i am of course on instagram um odette and co or one word and that's o-d-e double t-e i can't i can't tell you how many times i have spelled out my name over the years
0: And also at odetandco.com.au. And you've got a cool PR mentoring program as well. Why don't you tell people about that? Yes,
1: I do. Look, there's nothing more enjoyable than helping small business owners get coverage and I put together an eight-week program that helps um, walk you through these core steps that I've just really chatted with you about today. But walking through the strategy, um, setting out which outlets are going to make sense to your business, and then really crafting the angles, the bio, the um, putting together the media kit, and we touch base over that eight-week period, and just make sure you absolutely nail your outreach. Um, and it's you can register online on my website.
0: Awesome, thank you, Odette. Thanks, mate. <laughs>